Shalom. It is a new day, and what's on my mind today are all things related to the investment in the idea of learning. And this really references back to Dr. Safi when he answered my question about learning modalities. And so he made sure to emphasize the principles of learning along with what we typically think about in the modalities, the processes. And of course, with that, the processes, they ask what and how, but you know, that's gonna vary from child and from situation and circumstances, but the principles as he emphasized, they remain the same. And so what I encourage you to do, if you haven't already, is just to listen in on his reply, his response to my question. But I do wanna continue engaging Dr. Safi. So I do want to invite you back, Dr. Safi, at any point to continue the conversation. And so one of the things that I am going to add to that conversation before I kind of close that segment and open a new segment that's a segue into that is the fact that with my eight children, I felt it very necessary that I would lead with a different type of wisdom and that wisdom in parenting them and mentoring them would begin it with a, a twofold aspect. One is that I would parent to their strengths and not their weaknesses and their fallibility. We, we know that that's already there. We, we know that the flaws are already there, but the beautiful in their strength also becomes a gateway to seeing their flaws and their fallibility is also beautiful. So that's the, the first aspect. The, the second aspect that I associate with their strengths is the aspect of, I just lost my train of thinking, so now I have to go back and try to optimize what it was that I was talking about. Oh, yes. Okay. Now I have it. So their individuality, because when I look at their strengths, I have to look at their individuality. So now I'm not parenting with this formulaic approach. <laughs> I can't do that. And so for me, it, it was really about becoming a student to who they were who they were becoming and enjoying them. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them and what their strengths are and how we would use storytelling to really encapsulate everything about the investment in the idea of their learning. So stay tuned. I'm so appreciative that Dr. Safi took the time to really give us some great opportunities to just begin looking at the learning modalities. And I want to just preface it by this, and that is 
why I'm on this pathway that I'm on and unlearning to learn is really going back to just the way I'm wired as a person. And that is my why, my motivation, is really because of discovery. I have always, since I can ever remember, loved the aspect of discovery and also rediscovery. And so for me, my why for investing in the idea of learning, whether it's the idea of critical thinking or communication, the idea as mentioned by Dr. Safi, working memory or declarative memory, all of that for me goes back to the motivation of discovery. I just have this insatiable curiosity and I, I'm just telling you right now that that's where it is for me. I would like to hear for, you know, just the sake of hearing from you what your why is to investing in the idea of learning whatever that particular idea might be. And you can even share what that idea is, whether it's communication or critical thinking or related to your memory. But here's what I want to go into, and that is how the principles connect with the motivation. Why do I want to learn that if, in fact, I don't have an interest or if I don't have a desire? And so as Dr. Safi talked, I took notes because I resonated so much with the time that he was taking to just give his input because he specializes in this. And so for us, I just think it's really good to make the application for our children and for ourselves. So tying it in, tagging it to their motivation. That means that we have to discover that. And so I said earlier that I would tell you a little bit about our children and how I really began to get insight as I studied them and, and really took note of them, the goose, not the golden egg. I have mentioned that mindset in my earliest segment um, as I started this particular podcast in this new season, and that is the mindset of the goose over the golden egg is that you take into consideration the nurture and nature of the child or of the person, not what they produce. So it's not merely about productivity, but it's about their productivity capacity. And so I have a child that is really motivated by accuracy. That's Annalisa. She's also here on Anchor as Introvert Club. And she's a writer. And I am encouraging her to share her prose, her poetry, all of the things that she has been writing over the many, many years. And I think she'll do that. Then there's Tobias. He's big on participation and so is Liberty. I'll give you the ages now. Annalisa is, I believe she just turned 19. Tobias is 20 and Liberty is four. 
So Liberty and Tobias have a very strong connection. And so I'm going to continue on with the rest of the children. And I'm going to take a little pause and take a break and get some water. So until we come back, Shalom. correctly five to go is that eight five six seven eight yes it is <laughs> all right so savannah's primary motivation for learning is independence she is my firstborn savannah is 27 and samuel well he just loves a challenge any kind of challenge doesn't matter as a matter of fact i, I have a little story about samuel and as soon as that little one could move, crawl, walk, any of movement, the kind of mobility that could get him anywhere, he was always around just watching and observing. And then he would turn around and he would not just merely mimic, he would adapt. And so one particular story is when the cable guy would come and it wasn't often, but cable guy, repair guy of any kind, but the cable guy would come and Samuel, as little as he was, he would just sit and watch him do his setup or come out and do some kind of repair if there was a problem. And then after the cable guy would leave, Samuel would go and he would begin to tinker. And he would do this whether it was a plumber whether it was the landscape person, it just didn't matter. He always wanted to be near them. Or if we were doing something, he would take it in and then he would turn around and he would do it. He would do it in his own way. And even to this day, oh, by the way, Samuel is 15 now. Even to this day, he has a little studio in his room and it's his tinkering studio and he takes apart everything and anything so that takes us now to my competence not my competence but the motivation of competence my child Isaiah she her full name is Isiana Marie but we call her Isaiah and that's the shortened version of her name, which derives from the prophet Isaiah in the Hebrew, in the Tanakh, in the Bible. And so she's really big on competence. And therefore, that is a big motivation for her. And then, oh, her age. I did say I'd give you the ages of all of them. She just turned 12, just last week. Then there's Emerald. Emerald will turn two in March, and she, like her sister Annalisa, is big on accuracy, and we see that in her, and that she is really about precision in speaking. She enunciates even the last letters in her words. So she says, what? And she says, why? 
<laughs> and she is very keen on taking things out of my purse that she's seen me take out and use and she uses it accurately. So she uses a pencil only to write with on paper because that's what she's seen and so she figures that's the accurate way to use it. Paper, pencil, not pencil to wall, not pencil to the floor or the chair. The same thing with her accuracy to know what belongs to which family member. She's very much motivated. We can see it now in accuracy. And then there's Cece. Her name is Carice. And so she is really interested in self-development. And that becomes her why. She is 17. And so as you can see, there's such a variegated aspect of motivation, of course, because they're individuals. And so that variety really does help stimulate me as someone who wants to really play into their strengths, their individuality, and therefore it helps them to take interest. Maybe it's because I grew up as a child asking why that I invited incessantly in my children. <laughs> and so that's also one of the ways that I teach is I, I teach with why first and there's wisdom that I have taken in and matured through in association with this learning by why and that wisdom is this I don't know and particularly being able to say I don't know something opens me up to the knowing it's almost for me the first step and so for me being able to start with why it assumes that I need to at least know why this even exists as an idea and so what I did is just early on in my journey of homeschooling and my husband and I over 20 years ago and I might add that not all of our children are homeschooled at this time we have a daughter Cece I mentioned her she's 17 she is in public school and thriving and then I have two that are homeschooled now and they are thriving and I have three that are in college and they're thriving well actually Tobias is out of his special aeronautics program and so he's now been hired for big aeronautics I don't know if I'm even saying that right but um, a space program here in Florida um, and so he's doing his thing and it's all looked so different for each of them on their pathway to learning and growing and there has to be space for that but I always start with why I'm going to teach you this and then their why their motivation begins to intertwine with the why of my teaching so I have this whole kind of document that I've written out and it's why learn this stuff 
and it's broken down into the individual subjects. So it, it's math, or science, and geography, social studies, all of that, Bible, uh, language arts. And so in each section, I have written the why. And before we would go into any particular subject, we would always visit the why. Why are we going to spend time giving attention to this today? And so after a while, because this is something that just continues on throughout the years, they, they know, they can connect why I am being taught this math concept. What is it that this math concept is helping me to understand about the order of things in our world and the, the beauty and significance of patterns and numbers and how they are integrated in so many aspects of life. So many art forms, so many sciences. And so we always begin with why around here. And I remember growing up as a child, why was just not encouraged overall with most of the adults that I engaged with. And so I had a few teachers that encouraged my curiosity, my why, always wanting to discover the importance, the significance of why do I need to actually know this? How does this actually fit within what it is that I'm here for on this earth. And so I'm going to let this lead me into a new segue. And that is number one, a method that we use here around our home and that storytelling, we continue to read to our children no matter their age. We still read to our adult children. And we do it many times around dinner or we'll just do it at a designated time. But we still read to them because we felt that storytelling was a gateway and we want to constantly open them up and that doesn't have an age limitation on it. And that's going to lead into one of my daughter's stories. So enjoy. I want to invite you to listen in on a story that my daughter Annalisa is working on. She's also over on Introvert Club, and some of you may already have discovered her. But I want you to just know that in this time in my life, the way I see philosophy of teaching, whether it's teaching on Elisa because she's so motivated by accuracy, or my son Tobias who's motivated by participation, for me, my philosophy goes back to intimacy and connection because I want there to always be in whatever they're learning that they're connecting it with something that's more than a concept and so that's where the intimacy comes in and so Annalisa has become very intimate with prose and poetry but for the purpose of connecting her heart to having a voice and using it in such a way that creates beauty in the world, which also creates healing and unity. So just get ready and discover a voice that really truly does engage the heart, the soul, and the mind. My daughter, Annalisa Palmer. 
Before you give your story, Annalisa, would you just say hello to everyone out there that's listening in on this segment? Hello, all you lovely listeners. It is, let's see, 7.35, and I usually don't do Anchor until way later into the afternoon or evening. (laughs) I'm a very morning person. I am too, but Anchor is not on my morning list of things to do. But I would like to read you all a story that I've been working on, inspired by Friday 13th, because I was on the social media site Tumblr, and someone posted a picture of their cats, and cats are silly and hilarious, and I just got inspired by these two cats just being crazy and interesting and weird, and so I started this little story. It was originally 100 words or so, but it just kept on growing, and I'm still writing it, and I think I have enough for five minutes to speak about it. Do you have any of this already uploaded on your blog? I think I do, but it's always being re-edited because it's just a, like, 500 words and I add more words, take away words. So it's on my blog, but what I'm speaking is going to sound very different from what you will read on my blog. Okay, so you ready to get started? I am. All right, so one moment. We're going to do an interlude, and then that way you can take five minutes to actually read and not have it all absorbed by the preliminaries and the prelude that you just did. Are you okay with that? All right. Okay. Wally always wondered why his humans kept the head of a stuffed cat on the wall. He was not scared nor disgusted by it, for he knew it was fake. This was only because one afternoon alone, he vaulted himself from the moving humans and animal screen called a TV to touch it with his paws. It did nothing. Still, its eyes always unnerved him. Yes, even a cat feels unease, especially when its glowing orbs seem to trail after his humans. His humans never notice, but that's to be expected. They never notice much. The dead bird was a gift. How could anyone not see that? Nevertheless, he watched over them against the things in the night. Chasing the night things around and out of the house at 3 a.m. was tiring work, but Wally did whatever he could to protect his humans in home, even when they yelled at him for it. But this object that his human child, known as Jacob, found on his walk home from school was something Wally could not ignore. He didn't know why Father Human decided to let Jacob keep it, and in the family room no less. But before Cathead was where it was, a single scratch, not really big enough to be called a hole or cause an issue, was there. Thus, Cathead was placed there as a cover-up. But if Wally knew one thing, it was that you can't cover up your issues and mistakes. They must be dealt with head-on, and it was up to him. So he waited for the day when that Cathead would make its first move even if you have to wait 10 years. Turns out, it was more like 10 minutes. The front door shut with a soft click of the lock, and Wally was officially alone for, officially alone for the day. He leapt onto the windowsill, making sure all of his humans were out of sight before he started his routine house sweep. Granted, the biggest problems came out at night, but Wally, knows some a- but Wally knew that some were active during the sunlight hours. Wally jumped down and made his way into the room where Father Human slept. Robble, robble. Wally rolled his eyes as he swallowed the robble back under the couch. No matter how many times he smacked them, the pesky robbles, named for the noises they made as they scurried around, would not take a hint. After the bedroom inspection, Wally went into James's room. Wally, crouch- Wally crouched low on his front legs so that his whiskers brushed the cool, hardwood floor of the bedroom. Thankfully, the robbles stayed out of the child's room for most of the for most part because Wally himself slept in there. How could he not? 
It had the most comfortable bed and best sunlight area. James is young and foolish, proof of the cat head, who knows what, what kids his age get caught up in while his ears twitched. Well, he said as he, stre he stretches back, it's about time. He had felt a vibration, the kind that only cats can feel, in the living room, exactly where the cat head was. As he rounded the corner, he noticed something was immediately wrong. It was no longer a living room, but a face filled with dark purple colors, as if the air itself was touchable with golden cloud-like wisps, tiny flecks of bright white light, and clouds floating around. Pink clouds, purple clouds, but clouds nevertheless. And of course the cat head, which was no longer just a cat head, but a full-grown cat, or something with the body of a cat, was standing right on top of the TV. Wally considered himself brave, but he wasn't stupid. Thus, he paused right where the living room doorway would be and waited. I don't think I have to invite you in. This is your home, after all. Wally, who had not yet said a word, was not surprised that Cathead's voice was smooth as a hand through his fur and as clear as the water in his bowl. Cathead, Wally did not think this was a proper name, but it's the best one he has for now, licked the back looked at his black fur coat as he watched Wally cautiously make his way into the room. Instead of walking on a solid flat floor, Wally's tail flicked back and forth as he noticed his feet sinking into whatever he was walking on. It was not a floor, it wasn't even grass, it was something different, like maybe a pillow perhaps. It was almost cold to the touch, but, it was, but that wasn't all. It was as if the floor was on an incline. Finally, Wally was only a few feet away from Cathead, but as far as he walked, he was still underneath Cathead, and Cathead, of course, above him. Hello, Wallace. Wally resisted the urge to roll his eyes at his adopted name. I'm glad we are finally able to meet. Cathead continued to look itself with its tail wrapped around its leg, not really giving Wally a second glance. Wally planted his paws and relaxed his body, knowing that he had to speak carefully. Then. Technically, he said, we have already met. Your head was on my living room wall for a week. Cathead paused, froze, and finally looked directly at Wally. Its eyes were the color of golden orbs that held no end nor beginning, full of knowledge, yet empty for more. Wally preferred him not being looked at by this being. For a heartbeat or two, Cathead said and did nothing. Then, it tilted its head and squinted its eyes. It was then that Wally realized that Cathead had no mouth, well, no one, none that he could see. A small chuckle escaped Cathead, Wally relaxed his shoulders and tails. Oh, Wallace, you are so funny. That should keep you alive for a bit longer. Immediately, Cathead went back to licking itself, ignoring the way Wally's hairs and tails stood on end. Sir, what is that supposed to mean? Wally looked around the room, space, dimension for a possible escape route. Of course, he only saw endless space. Not even the living room door was to be seen any longer. Hm? You think the robbles were aggravating, but it will surely get worse. I'm just saying a sense of humor may help things along. What? Worse? What are you saying? No. Why are you here and who? What are you? Wally got up and paced in front of the whatever this thing was, no longer as collected as he first was. Cathead looked back down at Wally. What I am is not important. Who I am doesn't matter. 
and why I'm here is why I'm here is to warn you. Wally stopped pacing and took a deep breath, knowing he had to calm down to get his answers. Please, warn me about what? Again, he sat himself in front of Cathead. Finally, Cathead jumped down from its perch. As then, Wally realized that Cathead was much bigger than he first appeared, at least two times bigger. It lowered its head down to Wally, meeting him eye to eye, making Wally flatten, flatten his ears to his head and tilt it backwards. In your realm, they are called dust bunnies. Cathead sniffed, and Wally felt he was annoyed at that title. In mine, they are called Earthles, although most of them call them most call them by their better known title, Death Collectors. Are you telling me dust bunnies are evil? Wally could not believe it. First it was the Robbles, then it was the Cathead shows up, now it's deadly dust bunnies. No, Cathead finally leaned its head back. Dust bunnies are not evil. Here, they're normal balls of dust and dead human skin. I know that. Wally rolled his eyes this time, knowing he wasn't gonna, he wasn't going to get killed from it. What I want to know is why you are here, specifically who sent you. Cathead straightened its back to its full height, towering over Wally by two heads. Well, it sighed, I can tell you whom, my queen. Wally looked down to the ground and shook his head. This is getting way more complicated than it should be, he grumbled to himself. You say that your queen sent you here to warn me about these evil dust bunny called Ithels? Cat had nodded as if Wally was a simple mind kitten. Ursels with an R. And yes, my queen did send me. Wally rubbed a paw against his forehead, feeling a migraine coming on. Alright, but this is still but this still doesn't make any sense. Cat had lowered its head again to match Wally's. Which showing you helped you understand the severity of the issue. Wally, Wally's eyes widened. Show me how. Instead of answering, Cat had moved its body to the left, unveiling a jagged rip in the wall. But this was not just any rip. It was a scratch that the humans used Cat Head's head to cover up. Cat Head circled around Wally, into the void with me, and meet my queen. She can give you all the answers she thinks you will need. Wally mimicked Cathead, and the two were circling each other like lions circling a fresh kill. He eyed the glowing rip with unease. All these questions, all the questions she thinks I need? What about the questions I want answered? Life is not about getting all your wants, Wallace Sav. Counterclockwise. True. I need answers that can help me protect my family from whatever might come to them. Clockwise. Then come with me. Counterclockwise. Wally looked at Cathead with steel in his eyes. Who will watch over my family while I'm away? Clockwise. I can assure you that they will be well protected by the Queen's people. Counterclockwise. Why me? Was a question that has been Wally's mind since the moment he this accursed being entered his house. Why you? Cathead stopped. Wally Raleigh almost ran into his legs. Why me? That I should be sent here to retrieve an uncertain cat. Why the Earthos that they are devouring the flesh of all cast kind? Why anything at all? Wally rolled his eyes, knowing that this cathead was a drama queen. Even with the philosoph even with the philosophical post questions, mm, no, redo that. No, keep going. Wally bared his teeth. If my family is in danger or in any possible danger, and there's a way for me to stop it, then I will. For the first time, Cathead's neutral expression stretched into a wide, toothless back grind. Well, since I have your consent, Wally twisted his head with a sense of dread. 
realizing too late, too late that his back was against the rip in the wall. He could already feel a strange air current against his fur. He looked back at Cathead. Please no. Cathead's grind started to stretch across his body, spreading and wrapping around every part of his being. Please yes. The last thing Wallace, Wally had, the last thought Wally had before Cathead's long tail pushed him through the rip was, so this is how I, how I died, surrounded by nothing. The chill blackness of the void encased him. Then, it and he was what was nothing. Wally woke to the ground moving. Against his belly was a texture smooth as silk and warm as whatever he laid across human's father, and as warm as whenever he laid across human father's laptop as he used it. Wait, human father, Jacob, my humans, cathead. Wally jerked his head up, looking around. The ground underneath him stopped moving. What did you just call me? Wally looked down to see the back of Cat's head. Head, um, nothing. Wally yowled as he was hurled off of Cat's head's back and into the air, landing with an oomph. Turning his head around, Wally saw that Cat Head look was looking down at him with a glare of distaste. Hmm. I specifically heard you call my call my name Cat Head. Wally figured lying would put him in more discomfort, so he just told the truth. It seemed appropriate. That was how I first saw you, he said, getting up and dusting himself off with his tail. For a moment, Cathead just stared at Wally. Wally felt a shiver of unease race down his tail. Elsor. Wait, and with that, Cathead started walking ahead. Wait, what? Cathead ignored him and continued walking. Seeing as he was not stopping, Wally bounced after him. I'm going to assume that you just gave me your name. A few moments passed. Yes. Yes, I did. Wally looked around him and noticed that the moist yet warm golden dirt under his paws did not dirty his paws, and they barely and it barely left even a foot paw print. The purple and pink hues of the leaves and trees, and the soundless forest I seemed to be in, was definitely something he's never seen before. Well, Elthor, it is nice to finally meet you. I'm very appreciative that you joined us in those segments that highlighted an original piece from my daughter, Annalisa. And one of the things that I encouraged her during that last segment, if you did get a chance to listen to it all the way through, is that I wanted her to continue reading in light of her, what she felt was a flaw in her reading and whatever it was that she felt like she didn't execute just as she ideally wanted to. And the reason is because there is something also very beautiful about being fallible. There's something beautiful about being flawed because being polished is not what we're after. You know, so for her, her craft that she is honing in on will help her sharpen her skill, but it's not going to make her impenetrable to mistakes. And therefore, I want her to embrace that and be able to be just as much a person that embraces her fallibility and flaws as beautiful, just as much as something that comes off exactly the way she wants it. And so I leave that with you because I want us to see that the unlearning to learn what good execution looks like includes our fallibility. Shalom.
And I want to thank you all for listening, and you will hear more stories from me. And I'll see you all later. Bye. Bye. I'm glad you did this, darling. I really was thoroughly pleased with it. Yeah, this will definitely help me with my public speaking in the future. Yeah, do it. Let this be your experimental lab and place where you get feedback. All right. Again, Uh, I love you guys all for listening, and I will see you guys later. Bye. Thank you.